1: Next storyteller. Next storyteller.
0: Your next storyteller. Our next storyteller.
1: Hello and welcome to The Narrators. This podcast collects stories from our live events where people share true stories based on a theme. Hi there, it's Aaron here. So, over the last 11 years, uh, we've had some truly fabulous uh, storytellers swing into the orbit of our show and, and pour their hearts out on stage a few times and then move on to the next stage of their life. And Today's episode features one of those folks, Sarita Field. Sarita now lives in Madison, Wisconsin, where she can still be found telling stories. But back in 2017, Sarita joined us at the Narrators to talk about those folks who come into our lives for a brief period of time and end up lingering in our hearts forever. She told the story in front of a live audience at Buntport Theater in Denver, Colorado. The theme of the evening was Crossing Earthly.
0: When I think of Roxanne, I think of her as a mermaid. She, she had this beautiful, just spiral, curly hair. And I remember she would twist it down through, from the, the like tip of her scalp down to the crux of her waist. And she would twirl it and twirl it and twirl it all day. And she loved the water. And in Maine, and I lived seven years in Bangor, Maine, So we waited every single summer for when the water would become warm enough for us to swim in. Uh, And there are tons of lakes in Maine, not like Colorado. If you guys have a good swimming spot, you let me know. I haven't found it yet besides the pool. Um, And they don't even heat them, what's the deal? Uh, Anyway, uh, but she she was the person in the know because the day that the water became warm enough for us to swim in, she would let us know. And we would all head down to Magic Beach where we would sprawl on the warm main sand, avoid the leeches, they exist there, uh, and we'd crawl up on rocks and we'd just spend six to eight hours there and just swimming in the water. And that's the way that I think of her. And Phil, he loved the water too. Uh, but a little bit differently. So he was from Viking blood and he was a big dude. Like if I could, like maybe like his shoulders were like right here to me, you know, he was a big, big guy. Um, and he didn't love a lot of people. He loved a few, and I was one of them, and I feel very grateful to have been one of them. But he loved the water in a different way. He was a fisherman, and he was a lobsterman. And so during the summer days, he would head out before heading to his bouncing shift where we were bouncers together at the local Irish pub, and he would catch lobsters that he would bring back to us to feed us. And these were two of my best friends during the seven years that I spent in Bangor. And is anyone here familiar with Maine at all? Anyone here been to Maine? Okay. So a so few people. It's, it's a very rural state. Uh, Bangor itself is about 35,000 people. And being from San Jose, California, a city of a million people, it was, it was an adjustment, um, but one that I really loved because it felt like living in cheers for seven years, if that makes sense. You know, like people sort of start to learn what you drink. Like not only do they know that I love a martini. They know that I love a dirty martini. They know that I want gin. They know that I want cold river gin, you know? And and they also know that I don't eat meat, but I eat fish. And they know all those sort of intricacies anywhere that you go. And I could just head outside of my apartment each day and just see a friend without any notion of where I was gonna go each day. And Phil and Roxanne um, became an integral part of that. Um, It's the sort of city that if anyone asks you how you know someone, you just say around. You know, we met around, if that makes sense. Um, And they both became very large pillars of my life. So like I had mentioned, I um, began bouncing with Philip Patty Murphys. He was, like I said, a a formidable dude. Um, But he always loved to have a female counterpart because he actually felt that women were better bouncers than men. And so he always wanted to have a female by his side because they could diffuse situations much faster than men. And my friend Danny was his go-to, but she became very, very pregnant uh, and sort of had to give up her seat. Um, and he tapped me on the shoulder and he said, hey, would you, would you like to take over? And I said, yes. Yes, I would. <laughs> and so I spent the next few years as uh, his... Co bouncer and Roxanne was uh, a server at Patty Murphy's, the Irish pub that was sort of the staple of downtown Bangor on a corner. And we spent our days at Magic Beach and we spent our nights serving. And uh, you know, I think back on those years and we were in constant communication throughout the day, Facebook messages drawing pictures to each other when it became available on an Android phone, like to do that, you know? Um, Or sending each other locations when that became a possibility, like any sort of new technology to stay in touch, we stayed on top of. And then one day I sent a message to Phil and I sent a message to Roxanne and a a message didn't come back from either of them. And it was really weird. Um, And so today what I'm here to speak about in regards to crossing over is that sometimes the bridges that we cross over are not necessarily of our choice or ones that we necessarily cross ourselves. Sometimes other people cross over and we're the ones left on the other side. So it was August 5th, 2014, around 9.30 p.m. and I get a text message on my phone and all it is is three hearts. And it's from uh, this woman, Carrie John, that I had served with at Patty Murphy's. And uh, we had talked, but we weren't necessarily buddy buddies, so I didn't understand why she was professing her love to me. Um, so I just texted back, lol what? And so she calls me and she and she says, just sort of in a half sentence, I'm so sorry I heard about the accent with Roxanne. And then I just started screaming no No, 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 no. I grabbed the piece of clothing closest to me, which just happened to be a long black dress, and I put it on. I lived about a mile from downtown, from Patty Murphy's, and I threw it on. I didn't even put shoes on. And I jumped in my car, and I drove downtown, and I threw open the door to the pub, and thank God my friend Sarah, one of my closest friends Sarah, was sitting right there, and I'm barefoot in this dress, screaming no, no, no. And she says, Sarita, what's wrong? And I said, Carrie John said that Roxanne has died, that there's been a car accident. And she said, Carrie John is a stoner. We'll figure this out. (laughs) (laughs) And she she said, don't worry. (laughs) And so I was like, you're right, you're right. And so we run upstairs, and that's where my friend David lived, Roxanne's closest childhood friend. And he wasn't home at the time, but we called him, and he ran home from where he was working. And he called Roxanne's mom, and we waited to see what the news was. And he came back, and he said, it's true. But it wasn't just Roxanne. That day, Phil and Roxanne had gone to Magic Beach to spend the day sprawled on the sand, laying in the sun, swimming, crawled up on rocks and on their way back, a drunk driver hit them head on. The man was 78 years old, and he had been drinking at a local inn, probably a place that he had spent many years drinking, many years driving home drunk from, but this day he took my friend's life. I told someone later, how could this man do that? And they said, because he's been doing it many years. Today, I'm here to talk about how sometimes the moments of crossing over are not the moments that we choose or not the moments that we do, but the ones where we're the ones left behind. That day, my whole life changed, and I call it the day that everything broke. I find myself here in Colorado because of that day, because I needed to seek healing. And, you know, grief is a funny thing. It's this really weird emotion. I don't know if any of you guys have explored it, and, and for most of you, I pray that that's not the case, but... It's this incredibly indulgent emotion where you just sort of have to find yourself diving into it, into the depths of it, into the deep, into the darkness before you can find the light that comes afterwards. Um, And there's a quote from Edmund Burke. He wrote a beautiful piece on the sublime and the beautiful. And he says, it is the nature of grief to keep its object perpetually in its eye to present it in its most pleasurable views, to repeat all the circumstances that attend it, even to the last minuteness, to go back to every particular enjoyment, to dwell upon each, and to find a thousand new perfections in all that were not sufficiently understood before. In grief, the pleasure and pain of remembering is still uppermost, and the affliction we suffer has no resemblance to absolute pain which is odious, in which we endeavor to shake off as soon as possible. And I'll tell you, I I dove in, I dove into the deep. They died August 5th, but April, I found myself in Denver to find a new beginning and find healing and find space. And, you know, at a certain point, I just, I found myself not being able to sleep. I couldn't do my job. Um, as gracious as they were with my um, lack of productivity. Um, And I owned that. At that point, I had my own bridge to cross. Um, But this time, it was going to be my choosing. I could decide to let myself die a slow and painful death, indulging all of the sorrow day after day that came with losing my very best friends. Or I could join them on the other side of understanding all that they had brought to my life, all the love that they had given me, to find myself delighting in the warmth of summer and the promise of new love, to find myself making my way across that bridge. Someday I'll make it to the other side to see us basking as we did before on the shore of Magic Beach. Thank you. we we'll they going for
1: Serena. These days. This way in the company of those that
0: I love.
1: The narrators is produced by me, Aaron Rollman and Ron Doyle with the help of Karen Wackdell, Jesse Witten, Scott Carney, and Sydney Crane. If this is your first time listening to our podcast, please take a moment to subscribe and leave a review. They really help people find our show. If you're a regular listener, please share this story with a friend. If you're in Denver, our live shows take place every third Wednesday of the month at Buntport Theatre. For more information and for past episodes, please visit our website, thenarrators.org. As always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Buntport Theatre Company, Legal Pete's From the Hip Photo, and Great Divide Brewing Company. Our theme music is by Whalehawk, and we would also like to thank Jobless, who provided the outro music that you are listening to right now. You can find a link to their music in the show notes for this episode. We'll be back next Friday with another true story, and until then, thanks for listening. Yeah. Wah, wah, wah. (laughs) Maybe in a year or two,
0: I can write to you and tell I'm alright, yeah baby.